Welcome to Amplify, a podcast that gives marginalized communities and diverse people a platform to share their story and reclaim their narrative. If you don't have something to sell to somebody, it's really hard to get them to listen, you know? So just imagine like, hey, do you want to register to vote? People are walking by like, no, I'm registered. Thank you. Or imagine how empowered you can feel yourself like me as an organizer when you get that one person that's like stops by and it's like, well, I don't really vote. And then you get to have that conversation like, okay, okay, well, if not, even if you don't vote for yourself, think about your community, you know, that's what I tell people. And I feel like that's, that's ways we've really been impactful with our organization. Before you enjoy the episode, we ask that you please support this podcast by sharing it with your friends and family and let us know what you think by leaving us a review and what you want to hear more on the podcast. Our message is to amplify the voices of marginalized and diverse communities. Just remember, it is most impactful when diverse people share their own narrative. Welcome back to Amplify. Today I am here with Monique uh, Vargas um, and we're going to hear, we're here to talk about the organization um, County in USA, I believe. And correct me if I'm wrong, wrong, Monique, but if you'd like to introduce yourself. Sure. Hi, Summer. Um, we're happy to be here. I'm a community organizer for Count Us in um, yeah, so I'm excited to be here with you guys today and tell you a little bit more about us. So thanks for having us on your podcast. Yeah, of course. And I feel like I just butchered the name. I didn't like when I I read it, and then I was like, maybe I think I was like, I don't know. I I I read it as like U.S. Indiana because we we're like Indiana, like I N, and I wrote like count U.S. Indiana, mm-hmm. but that makes so much more sense. So I really do apologize for that. <laughs> But it totally definitely makes, totally it, makes more sense. it makes more sense with your mission because I did read a lot about you guys and that definitely makes a lot of sense about um, your mission. But can you tell us a little bit about um, Count Us In, not County U.S. Indiana, but Count Us In? <laughs> sure. So first off, Count Us In is short for Count Us Indiana. And we use the IN abbreviation, of course. So it was founded by Jalen Redzminski. She's from Fort Wayne. So she's the founder and president of Count Us In. And the mission is to um, foster a more inclusive and diverse voter space in the state of Indiana and throughout the United States, but of course, in our state. Um, so we do things like, you know, um, social media campaigns, um, try to get people registered to vote, make partnerships and coalitions with different or other organizations in the state, and we try to do the groundwork to get, you know, Indiana more diverse and inclusive in the voter space, so yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So I kind of got part of it right, because you said that the IN stands for Indiana, but you're also using it as count mm-hmm. us, and so I kind of I mm-hmm. got it right, but feel yes. free to make fun of me the rest of this podcast for butchering that completely. 
but I really love your guys' mission. Um, so is did you guys see that, I guess, was there a lack of diverse representation in the voter turnout in Indiana? Is that why you guys, that this organization was originally started? Um, yes. So we know, like, um, our president and founder, Jordan, uh, Jalen, sorry, she went to Georgia uh, to for college, and she worked with Fair Fight Action for Stacey Abrams. And so she said when she came back to Indiana, she noticed that, you know, other states like Georgia or like Ohio, Battleground State, you know, um, California, New York, they're always focused on in national conversations for elections. But Indiana is often left out of those conversations because it's so small of a state and because it's also, you know, a red state um, and because of like things that go on like gerrymandering that uh, we don't see a lot of people in our communities get their voices heard through voting and in our community itself, which is BIPOC, you know, people also have a tendency to maybe not understand why they should vote and maybe not want to support, you know, electors or people that are running. So that's why she started this um, nonprofit and has been doing the work ever since to try to get our communities more involved and also for the state to listen to our voices more. So. Yeah, I, I feel like that's amazing. So what, what is the proportion? Like, I guess, do you, are you familiarized with the proportion of like people that are registered to vote in Indiana and like that are actually casting their vote? Like, like what percentage are Caucasian? What percentage are black? What percentage are certain ethnicities? Like where, like, like, I guess, how does it, how does each, um, group of people compare with like people going out to vote is is my question kind of makes sense I feel like I'm kind of all over the place with it so no that's a great question I right off the bat could not give like a specific you know this is how many people voted in the last election at least not right now um we do know though that of course we not that it's not that our communities aren't going out to vote it's just that we have less people in the BIPOC community that vote in all elections. But when you're, you know, it's hard to, it's sometimes hard to make those distinctions because, you know, Indiana is a, what's like 80% white state. I think. That sounds about 20%. right. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds about right. Um, <laughs> like I know, like in my community, sorry for cutting you off if I did, but 88% of the population is white. 12% is black and like two five to two to five percent is other you know so when you put so that where are into, you are you an indian i'm in muncie and Callison okay. is founded it's uh in fort wayne okay like okay. that's so where like it ball started state, right like ball, where ball state is yep ball state is here yep in muncie and like the way i got connected to this i guess i should have said that one i'm an organizer which is you know i'm now like part of the staff of Callison, but um I actually was on Instagram one day and I saw that Jalen had done this interview and I was like, yeah, this lady in Fort Wayne, like she started it. Um, she started a nonprofit to get more people like to vote in the state of Indiana. I was like, Oh, that's so cool. So I went to her Instagram page for count us in and I found it and I was like, okay, I'm going to follow them. And then I kept following them and like seeing what, what they were saying, like during the protests and stuff and seeing what they were doing in the state. I really liked that. 
And then it was, um, I think it was December of 2020 and they were putting out application like notices for a fellowship for racial justice and accessibility fellowship. So then I was like, hmm, let me see if I want to do this. And they were looking for different people like BIPOC um, specifically or people that had been impacted by incarceration or that were also disabled or could identify as that. So I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm black and mixed in a woman. So I'm going to apply for this um, and see if I can get it. And then later in like the year, I think it was like February, 2021, they contacted us for, excuse me, they contacted us to participate in the fellowship uh, interviews. And then I did, and then got selected with four other great fellows. And so that's how I got connected. connected. I'm telling this story because I don't want everyone to be confused, but it is in Fort Wayne, but we did virtual fellowship and we were from, um, all the fellows were from different places. Like I'm from Muncie. Some of them are from Indianapolis and some were from Gary as well and Bloomington. So I thought that was great because it like connected the web of cities that's in Indiana. <laughs> yeah, that, that is really amazing. Cause mm -hmm. I feel like, um, so what do you guys feel like is the biggest issue? Like, I know you were mentioning that you definitely want voter turnout to be more diverse, but is it, mm -hmm. what, what do you think is the biggest issue in getting people to vote? Is it accessibility, like getting there? Is it um, mm -hmm. like, or is it that fact that the issues that are that being way. brought up in like politics and all mm -hmm. of that is, um, is issues that they're, that is not concerning Hi. to them? Cause I've heard, like, cause when I was Hi. in college, <laughs> that's my daughter <laughs> it's okay she sounds so cute <laughs> you have a little guest star in the podcast it's fine <laughs> um so she can participate in the question if she has some views about it um okay <laughs> but, but. Uh, um as i was saying before um with the podcast not with the podcast with voter turnout um, do you think is an accessibility issue? Do you think it's people like maybe not having the ed like education to maybe they don't feel educated enough to to vote about certain issues, or do they feel like issues that they're concerned about are not being brought up? Because I I remember when I was in college um, and our professor mm -hmm. asked um, asked us who had voted in the recent election, and maybe like a tenth of the class. Um, you know, a tenth of the class or something had voted? Or do you think it may have be, be people's privileges that they don't feel like they're in a privileged place that these issues don't concern them? And like, it, if it doesn't change their life, they don't really care who's the who's the president or who's who's in politics, if that makes sense. No, yeah, that's a great question. Um, let's see, I think it's great because it considers all angles too of like why people don't vote. So let's, Let's let's look through this super quickly. Okay, um, let's see. One thing that I've learned so far, um, doing like and or being an organizer and also a fellow for Townsend and uh, looking through looking at disability voter rights, we've learned that voting is indeed inaccessible, and so that's something that um, our org also strives to do is to make sure the state is doing what they're supposed to do. You know, following. HAVA, um, which is the Help America Vote Act of 2002, um, making sure that, you know, voting facilities have um, the proper accommodations for people from the disability community so that they can go to vote. Um, 
I think as well as if you did, I know you said you read our mission, but just so, just for listeners to also know, we also do seek to empower and educate our community. That's not to assume that people don't know why they should vote. It's just to give, you know, free resources or talk to people or, you know, do um, webinars like, hey, did you know you could get um, accommodations for voting? And if you don't, like, here's where you could go to get those accommodations met or here's who you could talk to if your voting, your, your polls didn't have that, you know, um, as well as, I think it's a little bit of a systemic issue as well, but I would never say it's where people aren't educated enough to go out and vote. Does that make sense to your question? Like, yeah, that, that makes it? sense. Okay. Like if, so. like maybe I would like sometimes like anybody, if they're not educated on something, they become like intimidated. Like I'm not necessarily saying yeah. like voting, but I'm even mm-hmm. saying like from my perspective, like I used to host events with different cultures and like my perspective is kind of like amplifying the voices of like marginalized yes. communities. So sometimes like people will just be scared to approach the conversation because it's just not something that's mm-hmm. not familiar with them. So oftentimes people will kind of, you know, they'll kind of step back from something that's not, people always like going to something that's easy or familiar to them. Yeah. They don't try to get out of their comfort zone. So like maybe mm-hmm. some people's perspectives, like voting out of their comfort zone, like especially like yeah. some stuff, some issues that they discuss are maybe over their heads or, so I don't know if that's an yeah. issue you ever seen. That's why people are not going out and voting. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, so far, like I've tabled to get people to register to vote. And I would say that most of the people, at least in my community that were out that day were registered to vote. So it was harder to, it was harder to be like, Hey, do you want to register to vote? Do you want to know why to register to vote? Because they were like, no, I'm already registered. Like, Oh, okay. (laughs) So I guess like what you're saying definitely makes sense, but I haven't yet to encounter it. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I guess, so the thing is, is, people are registered to vote. They're just not mm-hmm. going out and actually using it. Is that, the yeah, pro- is that the problem? Like, Indiana has, like, Indiana has the lowest voter turnout, I believe. Like, what is it? We were in the bottom 10% in the last election. So, I, I think what you're saying, that is also, we could say that. Um, it's hard to get people it's hard to mobilize people to vote even if they're registered yes so have you like, seen to like get to the polls yes i'm sorry ahead. you I'm can sorry. continue i was like i feel like i want to know like do you think the voter turnout changed with covid like meaning yes like, with the last election that like now it's like it, you know, like mail-in ballots yeah. were much more mm-hmm. common than people standing in line. Mm-hmm. Like I know I personally did mail-in ballots. Do you feel like that mm-hmm. actually increased voter turnout or decreased it? Um, I've actually sat through a training, at least on the national level, it increased it in some communities. I know like for people like Gen Z um, voters or people like I have just voted last year in the last general election the first time, but not local, but the it was the first time I voted in the general election, and I know we had a greater voter turnout for our generation. But I also have sat through training where um, I can't remember the lady's name, but she did her research on voter turnout and how mail in ballots did increase voter turnout, especially in like the disability community. 
because they didn't have to, uh, you know, it, it reduces access to barriers when you open up mail-in ballots. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, mm-hmm. I was thinking that would too, because like, even like, I feel like the biggest issue with like maybe young people going out and voting, mm-hmm. especially if they're like, if they're in school or in college, and like mm-hmm. they don't have access to a car to leave campus. I feel like a lot of the like where they do voting is always like in random churches or random schools that may not be near campuses. So I feel like offering that mail in ballot or even offering like like a like a voting center like on a college campus would help like eliminate that barrier because there wouldn't be there wouldn't be a, not as much of an excuse not to go if it if it's literally right you know, it's right next to you, or you could just put it in a mailbox, because they literally yeah. mail the ballot to you, too, and then you just mail it back, it's, it's super easy, I feel like that's the yeah. way I'm always gonna go now. Yeah, and I feel like for, like, I also had the same sentiment as you, from a college campus perspective, because I remember I was at IUB, and I had to go to a, ch- a random church, like, that wasn't close to the campus, and I was like, why don't they just have um, centers for us on the, on the campus to vote? But then also, yes, it helps for people that, from the disability community, too. You also have to stand you know? in line. Like, the lines yes. are always so long. And then the yeah. hours are usually, like, working hours. It's, like, 8 yes. to 5, 8 to 6. So, like, what's the community for people that are working? Like, it's they're literally providing the least amount of options. Like, you're providing it somewhere that's not near me that I have to drive. Mm-hmm. I have to stand in a, a line. And, if I, and it's during my work or worker school hours so if I want to go to this and I have to use my lunch to go to it that's it's just so many inconveniences it doesn't make it easy for somebody to go out I know and like that's also something I've learned like it's uh it's not just inconveniences because they start becoming barriers for a lot of people you know like low income or in the black community but also in the disability community where like you have to stand in line like everyone can't stand in line you know um and i know i did some research where there's some people uh that want legislators to let us vote you know by mail more um but also like by letting people vote from their car which you can you can do that but yeah they have to be able to staff it though with volunteers that makes sense so it's hard to get places like in our state to do that (laughs) yeah for sure um so what do you think like is the biggest thing you would tell somebody that they think um I guess like with voting like with voter turnout and with representation and having their voices heard like that's the not like the biggest misconception or you wouldn't think is not letting people go out to vote like something that people wouldn't think of like sometimes there's like stuff that surprise you like there I mean I would tell stuff to people that like about maybe stuff about me because I'm I'm a person of color and um I wear a headscarf so like there's certain barriers that I experience and I'll tell people and they'll be like I had no idea like just is there like stuff that I guess around like voting and turnout and all of that with different diverse communities that people wouldn't think of, but it's something that's super huge that people should kind of take away from this podcast. Um, let me see. So like you're saying like something like, like if we're talking about the disability community, right? 
like let's say someone that you know can't is um is a part of the hard of hearing community or the deaf community like they might go to a polling place and not have access to vote because they don't have an interpreter that's working at the poll does that make sense so then yeah, like, that makes sense yeah and like i feel like that's something that we would we wouldn't necessarily think about in general because we're not taught to and we're taught a lot from an ableist standpoint so or like if someone goes to the polls and let's say they're blind, they're part of the blind community and they need braille like can you imagine walking into a place to vote and like not having you just can't do it because they don't have the materials that you need to vote you know yeah, the, so, I don't like. I wouldn't even think of that. Like, you always think of just. Um, you never think. I feel like the disability community is always kind of not something that's brought to the forefront, especially yeah. about this. Like, even like, I wasn't even thinking about accessibility to even get into the buildings to vote because some of yes. them would only have stairs. They don't even have like rails to get up there. Yeah. That makes sense. And also, yes. I think like when you go to like even if, for example, if somebody was blind and then they didn't bring some like they didn't physically bring somebody into the building with them i'm pretty sure like uh, correct me if i'm wrong like the attendees there like they can't really help you with the like machines are putting in like putting yes. in your because like they may like place their own bias on you about who to vote yeah. for and stuff so is there not like ways for uh, like people like kind of like neutral people or like to help people in those situations that may need help using the machines or anything. Yeah, so I believe part of what Hava said, which is the Help America Vote Act, was that it it allowed like one person of the of the voter's choice to like be the helper, basically like, come in and like be able to go into the polling place with them, like someone that they trust to like hit the button for who they want to vote for. Um, but also, I think part of that, uh, I might be wrong. I think I'm right, but they had to have like one Republican, one Democrat, um, like, volunteer, you know, to oversee uh, the functions. Does that make sense? To make yeah, sure, that like... Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. But I feel like basically... People... I'll go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. Like, that makes sense. Like, but would that be something you're allowed to disclose, like, your political party to the person that's helping you? Because sometimes... Oh, no, no. So, I think it'd be, like, there. you... I would take, like, you know, like, my mom... And be like, hey, this is my parent. Like, they're here to help me vote. Oh, gotcha. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. But then the poll workers themselves have to be, you know, they have to be, like, two to make it less biased. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So. Do you think... Sorry for the confusion. No, it's okay. Have you ever, like, as, like, as a nonprofit, like, the, like, how voting kind of works in different countries like I feel like I don't know like is voting more like that voting practices in general in other countries is it more accessible for people versus in America that I I still would have to look up because we're right now we're not looking I haven't been doing any research on who's more like which country is more accessible mm -hmm. we're, I've just been learning a lot more about how to make voting more accessible and why we need to make it more accessible. Um, 
in like what we can tell our legislators to make sure they put it into you know law and legal code so that people have protections when they go to vote and we guarantee that everyone can get access to the ballot um, that makes sense yeah yeah do you, what do you feel like through your work that you've been with the organization so far, what's, what do you think has been like the biggest win for you or the biggest change um, that you've done through the organization like thus far? Let's see. I think we have really succeeded in educating and empowering people as well as helping people register to vote because we have a when we all vote portal that we use or um, where people can go and register to vote online um, through our website. We've done a bunch of webinars, especially this year. I mean, it's kind of hard to, you know, do in-person events, but I know we've done webinars um, this year with the named advocate art. I know Jalen did something with them um, with the named advocates for disability. Uh, right leadership and then we've also like I've tabled to register people but really just empowering and educating our community as well like doing a felt like the fellowship and making that web through Indiana with young people like a, a, a lot of people through college age did the fellowship you know um, I feel like that was really important work because it made us engage with our communities and like we had to do a project where we reached out to our community basically and tried to do something along the lines of civic um, engagement. And you know, that's not easy work because when you think about nonprofits or you think about businesses in general, like if you don't have something to sell to somebody, it's really hard to get them to listen, you know? So <laughs> just imagine like, hey, do you want to register to vote? And people are walking by like, no, I'm registered. Thank you. Or imagine how empowering you can feel yourself. Like me as an organizer, when you get that one person that's like stops by and it's like, well, I don't really vote. And then you get to have that conversation. Like, okay, okay, well, if not, even if you don't vote for yourself, think about your community, you know, that's what I tell people. And I feel like that's, that's ways we've really been impactful with our organization. Have you felt like it's like a barrier like to enter into a community that like I felt like like you can't I guess you can't really get the interest of a group or a community without having somebody from that community like on your side or or even like helping you know what I mean it's like kind of like bringing somebody like an outsider into the community and you're trying to convince them to do something but you don't necessarily understand all their needs or what they want. I guess absolutely has that been like yeah. a barrier that you've experienced um right now no but that's because and that's part of why I think Jalen chose the a good state and a good mission because it's women led and a black led organization and that makes it important because I really think she you know is conscious about choosing people that are part of her community so that when we go and do community events or try to get people to register to vote, you know, we, um, we're interacting with people that look like us. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, so, that does make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know like a lot on social media, we talk about that, like going into a space where at least like, I feel like for co- college grads, maybe we've learned like, you know, oh, well we need to go like and save these people. And it's like, but do they want to be saved, you know? So. Yeah, it's like that It's like that savior complex because, yeah, uh, like, I feel like communities don't want to, like, and I've talked to different people, and people don't want you to come in there and act like you're their saviors. Like, what are you to say yes. that, you're sa- that you're saving me? Like, like, mm-hmm. like it's not, because I think when you provide that complex, you make somebody see, like, one person seem better than that community when that's not the case at yeah. all. I feel like it's more like, you know, you're a helping hand and you, you just want to join, join them in the efforts that they're doing. Um, but you mm-hmm. just want to help them get resources they may not be having. If that, like, yes. and I like what you guys are doing where you're, you're trying to, you're trying to uh, connect to communities. You want to connect to communities that look like you because they don't, mm-hmm. you don't want that complex of somebody coming out to save you, but it's people within your community that just want better for them. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I love that. Um, so do you feel like, has your impact, have you guys gone throughout Indiana or has your impact been mostly where kind of the fellows are located and um, where the founders located? Have you guys got, I'm from Southern Indiana. So have you, has your impact gotten down um, over here yet? Or are you guys mostly like in Northern and Central Indiana? Um. Yeah, I think we are more concentrated in northern Indiana right now and central Indiana because it's it is hard to keep connections sometimes, you know, or people are busy and they're doing other stuff after they do like, you know, a fellowship. But um I think it also just depended like I think the fellowship we're it's so young. I think the fellowship was like a great way to like virtually connect different cities in indiana and definitely like help count us in impact grow because it's 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 a really small board still you know so it's hard to tell where the impact's been but yeah i think mostly north and central yes and i hope we're reaching this other part soon <laughs> yeah i mean like like i with non my nonprofit's pretty young too it's around like two years old and so it's very mm-hmm. like it's a very slow it's a very slow growth yes. so I definitely understand but it seems like you guys are making a huge impact especially um with the voter voter turnout space and I really hope we get more of that representation soon um I do too so um I mean there's like a segment that we like to do on our podcast and so we can kind of talk a little bit more about that um where we kind of like to talk about what you're doing like in your personal life just to stay in the know um Mm -hmm. so just what's going on in the world like like if you're reading like a certain book if you're watching maybe like a documentary or a movie or maybe like even instagram accounts that um that you enjoy having that keep you in the know about what's going on in the world that you would want to recommend to our listeners today Okay, um, like, keep me in the know. Let's see. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, well, let's just, I think everyone should follow Countess Indiana, if you live in Indiana, because we, you know, we do a lot of stuff on there, like, when the John Lewis um, Voting Rights Act was going back up 
in Congress for it was getting voted on in the Senate after it had been passed in the House. We were putting up stuff for that. So that's the first one I would say. <laughs> Follow us. <laughs> um, who else? I mean... And I follow, like, some activist pages just to see what's going on in the world. Um, but I don't have any specific ones right now. <laughs> That's okay. Shameless plug to yourself. That's no worries about that. Um, is there anywhere else that they can find uh, Countess in? Yep, you can find Countess in on Facebook. And you have to type it in, I think, with, like, capital C and then O-U-N-T and then us and capital I-N. Okay, awesome. And, and we're on Twitter. Have... Oh, Twitter. <laughs> oh, awesome. You guys are everywhere. So okay. I can find you everywhere. I know you guys had a website, too. Yes, and our website is, looks like it. I wanted to make sure I tell you the right thing. I have it pulled up. Just, yep. So right now, it's just countusindiana.org. Okay, awesome. And does your daughter want to say a goodbye before we end off this podcast episode? Do you want to say bye-bye? She's waving. <laughs> Just know she's saying bye, guys. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the podcast. This is such a fun episode to do. It was. Thank you so much. So much. We're so glad to be part of this podcast with you. We're excited. Thank you.